Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is March 9th, 2015, and this is episode 112. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, with the guiding light of this podcast, Scott Magnus. Whatever you say, Godfather. (laughs) If you are listening to our voices right now, you're probably doing so at our website, which is uh, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Easy for me to say. You got a little carried away with the next part. Also, it's possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report, which can be found at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network, or Bird's Eye View can be found with many other great shows about the Orioles, the Ravens, the Terps, the Caps, etc., etc., etc. You can find us on third-party platforms where you can get uh, podcasts such as Stitcher, iTunes, Miro, Double Twist, and Scott. Mm, creamsicle, Lollipop, um... I guess gay bars down in Sarasota for Section 336. <laughs> and if you're trying to find us on social media so that you can complain about said things, you can do so on Facebook at facebook.com slash BEVcast. But the best way is on Twitter, where we can be found at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, with no further ado, actually, there is there is a do. There's, There's a, a do. do to be had. There's always a do for when we start this show. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I am going with a Full Telt Brewing India Pale Ale. Yum. Wait, wait, I think I have to, I think I have to call shenanigans. Okay. Was that not your drink of the week last week? Yes, it was, but I bought a lot of it, so. Huh. All right, fine. My drink of the week is a tall glass of water. Mmm, fancy stuff. Hey, it's, uh, it's, it's what, what ails you? I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed, taking the fact that we're, at your brand new bar and doctrinating it and you're drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, I've been building a bar over the past couple <clears throat> months. Uh, we had to make Once. a, uh, <laughs> Scott had to make a house call this evening. Uh, so we are out of the, uh, the luxurious SD studios. Scott was nice enough to come to my place. So we are, uh, podcasting live from the bar in, uh, in my basement. Yes. Uh, the chains have been brought over from SD studios. So everything should be working out fine tonight. All right, this is the part of the program after we creep everybody out. This is the part of the program where, during the season, we would talk about the medical wing. Uh, there is uh, a notable injury that I wanted to talk about. I don't know how notable it is. Uh, but today, uh, Ryan Webb uh, tweaked his knee, got an oh. MRI, everything's fine. Sure it is. But here's the thing that I love. Uh, Ryan Webb's knee acted up due to a reaction to ice. Oh, of course it did. Of course it did. Not to mention Ryan Webb was, you know, a possible roster casualty as well so uh it's amazing that uh you know the orioles uh disease uh construct another person to save them from having to be designated for assignment mm-hmm. something to keep an eye on yep 
All right, when we uh, get deeper into the season, we will actually have medical wing-like activities. This is this is the foe. It's still spring training for the medical wing, if you will. But let's get to the important stuff. Jake, let's go to the twat. This week on the Twitters, this first tweet, we're going to put in the category of, let's relax, guys. Let's relax. Uh, Dan Clark, who tweets at DC underscore TB, uh, TBL Daily, tweeted, the O's have scored 25 runs in eight Hashtag spring training games. Scott, are you concerned at all? No. You're not concerned about uh, the lack of offense in spring training? No. You're not concerned about the offense in games that don't matter by scrubs who won't make the team? No. But you know what I am concerned about? Let's hear it. Showboating. So this goes to a nice-going rookie. This comes from our good friend Dylan Atkinson. Uh, He uh, posts, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at DAtkinsonOU, and he's actually on the Orioles Uncensored podcast. He posed, Buck Showalter made it known that he wasn't a fan of Daryl Alvarez admiring his three-run home run on March 7th versus the Boston Red Sox. Jake, what are your thoughts about showboating against the Boston Red Sox? Uh, I don't so much mind showboating in general, but I'm not the manager of the club. And if you're a rookie trying to make this club, that is the quickest way to get into Buck Showalter's doghouse. So uh, not a good move. You know what's also not a great thing to get into Buck Showalter's uh, doghouse and clubhouse is, uh, well talking out against the club and uh, that's kind of what chris davis did today peter schmuck posted today on twitter and you can follow him at schmuck stop on at baltimore sun right now chris davis says he wants to see o's commit to future before he does jake first of all i think that orioles need to stop talking to the baltimore sun no nothing good has come out of the baltimore sun dealing with players directly in the last week this is not good stuff honestly nothing has good to come out of the baltimore sun since um <laughs> well rockabaco was there basically so <laughs> i teed that right up and didn't even mean to uh here's the thing about chris davis's comments I, I have so many conflicting annoyances that go along with this uh first i would encourage everybody to run out to baltimoresportsreport.com where zach wilt uh, posted his reaction to it a couple of things going on here First of all, he he talks about how he wants to see some proof in the pudding before he resigns with the club, and I I get that. But isn't he a Boris client? Yes, he is. Isn't it a foregone conclusion that he's going to take himself to free agency anyway? Yes, he will. All right, that's all good and fine. Um, he said that the the ball was in the Orioles' court last year to make some sort of offer, uh, particularly because his performance was so poor that they had all the leverage. Why in the world would he have agreed to a deal last year? Um. Yeah, I got nothing. Wouldn't he want to take it another year to try to get another better year under his belt to maximize his value? Yeah, unless he was talking about the previous, previous offseason, but I had a hard time believing that's the case. It just seems like like idle, not threats, but, you know, just a lot of talk. And the last thing I'll say about this is, look, I get that the Orioles organization might not be the most healthy. Uh, We're starting to see a lot of cracks now with comments from Jones, comments from Davis, comments from Marcakis, even though he's gone. Uh, You know, it may be highly dysfunctional or at least more highly dysfunctional than we were willing to give it credit for due to the the previous winning seasons. Or there's nothing else to talk about and these guys are just trying to make stories up. That's possible. But the thing is, is that I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from Chris Davis. I don't think that going to the media does anything to improve the relationship between him and the club. Okay. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I just, I think it's just, it's a quote out there and it's making a story out of really nothing. Um, Jake, the herd is also getting thinner with spring training. Um, Rockabaco post with these moves the Orioles made today, the Orioles now have 52 players at Major League Spring Training, including 12 non-roster invitees. Um, nothing really striking in terms of the people that were um, 
were cut. Uh, I guess Brian Ward maybe because of just catching depth, but it's not that big of a deal. So no, not at all. The other interesting thing was that they sent Michael Alamanzar down. That was a that was a no brainer anyway. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where he might be able to do something in the organization at a future point. But right now they are just so stockpiled with utility infielders that they need to make that decision of who is going to be the utility infielder. Um, not just at, you know, in the major leagues, but also how is Norfolk going to develop as well. So Yeah, who's going to be that first guy up if something goes wrong? Yep. Last thing that we have for you in the twat is a tweet that comes from Casey Willett, who, of course, tweets at CDWill77. And it is a picture, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to describe it. It's a picture of the pennants, the Orioles' pennants, hanging at spring training facility in Ed Smith Stadium, including the brand-new 2014 AL East champ banner. The tweet from Casey Willett is as follows. Hashtag Orioles AL East banner hanging in entrance of Ed Smith Stadium. And it's right in the middle of a circle of pennants as well as almost ex- exemplifying the aspect of how amazing it was last season. So it's ex- a good look. Excellent look. Good job, Casey, for posting that. I kind of wondered if uh, that was going to be done. And uh, sure enough, great to see. I'm curious as to what they'll do uh, at Camden Yards because if I'm not mistaken, all these pennants are are, are hung over the men's room. Yes, that's correct. Uh, on the wall in Utah Street. So I wonder if that will continue to happen. And what happens when they run out of room on that on that men's room wall? Well, they kind of did already. It's kind of like a little triangle now. So you really can't fit a full pennant in there. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe those pens get moved. I would like to see them moved off the men's room wall. Yeah. Um, well, with that segue. I was um, just wondering how you were going to get out of the men's room and into our next segment. Well, let's go ahead and go talk to someone that uh, knows a thing or two about Orioles history and pennants. Uh, let's go talk to our guest, Matt Taylor from Roar from 34. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming each night of his charms that won't get you into his arms. So Scott, it is the season. It is the season of wishing and hoping. Hope, as they say, springs eternal, and that's what spring training is all about. But we look forward to spring training every year. We, we look forward so much. From the last out of the previous season, we mark our calendars with a countdown to the moment that baseball activities will begin again. We anxiously talk about the report date for pitchers and catchers, a date when, I mean, let's face it, nothing happens. Yeah. So we go through this every year because spring training it means so much to us. It's it's the vital lifeblood that is baseball season beginning again. But now that spring training is here, we're we're curious to see if it's holding up to our expectation. And so to bring a, a reasonably level head to the discussion, we've turned, as we always do, to Matt Taylor of the phenomenal Orioles blog, Roar from 34. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on Bird's Eye View. Uh, thank uh, thanks for having me. And reasonably level-headed is the nicest thing I've heard said about me in, in quite some time. So I appreciate that. Well, it's all down here from here. So we'll just try to. <laughs> We're all about <laughs> the idle flat. Yep. So uh, I, I've been I've been checking out the blog, and there are actually quite a few pictures uh, that appear to be live from Sarasota. You're not uh, you're not running down to Sarasota yourself, are you? You've got a man on the scene. I've I've got a man on the scene, and I, I'll tell you, it's a it's a funny story how that came about. Oh, there's a funny um, story about a man in Sarasota. I like the way this is going. Yeah, did you, did you hear the story about the man in Sarasota? <laughs> don't worry, it's clean. Um, so, <laughs> I hope he's clean. Going back a, a, a few years, probably three to three to five years, maybe. 
Um, I was looking for, for content one day you know, at work, um, looking for some content for the blog, and I did a, a search on YouTube, and it was before, it was before, I guess before the Orioles went to Sarasota. And so it was at a city council meeting, and this guy got up and made this impassioned plea of why it was great for the city of Sarasota um, to get the Orioles. And you know, he had a, a thick, um, thick New York accent to him that he made fun of in the clip. And he said, you know, it's all about the dollars and this sort of thing. It was very an animated presentation. And I try not to um, take, take jabs at, at anyone too hard on, on the blog, but I had a little bit of fun with it. I posted the video and I you know, made fun of the accent thinking that, you know, he had done it. So it was okay. Um, next thing you know, I just get this angry email from the guy. He's, he's found the blog. He's found what I've written up there and, and just thinks, you know, I, I demand an apology. And so we have this back and forth on email that's, you know, respectful. Um, but uh, out of all of that, we, we came to a common understanding. And, and so he's now, even though he, you know, he grew up first a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, then became a Yankees fan. He is one of the biggest advocates for the Orioles in Sarasota. And he's uh, an amateur photographer who does great work. So he's constantly on the scene, sending me photos and, and allows me to post them to the blog. So I guess the moral of the story is make sure to insult people um, on your blog, and they will one day be the friends who provide you with valuable content. Well, that's why you're on the on the podcast tonight, so we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I understand now. I see where this is going. <laughs> so so you are not indeed the man on the scene in in Sarasota. Have you ever made that trip to go down there? I still have not made the the trip to Sarasota. I you know I I will confess that um, not to make my wife feel guilty, but every Christmas my hopes get up a little bit that hey you know this is the year where the gift is going to be we're going to Sarasota. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, I am eager to get down there and, and see for myself uh, what it's all about. Because hey, I, I feel like since they moved to Sarasota, it's made the whole, it's really made spring training an experience. Um, and so uh, once that move was made, spring training became that much more of a, of a destination, a place of interest for me. So I'm hoping to get down there uh, sometime soon. So road trip, bird's eye view and roar from 34. And we just go down there either this year or next year, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm liking the sound of that. Okay, we'll talk to Mrs. Taylor. We'll make this happen. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to make myself sound like a shill for uh, Sarasota County, but it's actually it's actually a really cool trip. Uh, Sarasota and, and the Keys right by are are just amazing. Lots of cool stuff to do. And Orioles baseball when there's snow on the ground in Baltimore, you you can't beat it. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I, I'm you know not the best husband. I'm still learning the you know, learning things and figuring them out, but. I'm thinking that's an anniversary trip. You know, mm. I mean, our, our anniversary doesn't fall during spring training, but I'm thinking I can tell my wife, saved up, I've got our anniversary trip, you know, we're going to Sarasota to see the Orioles. I don't know how to put this, but I think if you uh, try to book an anniversary trip to Sarasota, you may have a lot more free time to go to spring training. <laughs> well, it's a perfect plan then. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, you don't you don't go down there. Uh, you're not you're not a Sarasotan during spring training. Does your family, either now or in the past, maybe when you were a kid, have any spring training traditions? You know, we we didn't, um, other than just kind of talking about the talking about the team and and griping about the team and probably paying too close of attention uh, over time and, and thinking that it it matters more than it probably actually does. Um, that's probably the extent of it in, in terms of the tradition itself. Our our tradition started more toward opening day. That's that's a perfect segue because our next question was, you know, we build up spring training so much with this anticipation. 
And then it gets here and it's just like, God, when the heck is it going to be over so we can have real games and the season can't come enough? Why do we do this ourselves? Why do we build up this anticipation of wanting to see these grainy photos posted by beat writers and then the ultimate disappointment, which is spring training? <laughs> it's a it's a great question. And I, I think it's part of what baseball probably does better than, than any other sport is, is romanticizing the, the whole endeavor. So um, somewhere along the line, you know, spring training became very romanticized. And so you kind of believe like, yeah, this is, this is, this is a big deal. This is spring training. And especially you know, the old historical photo. Oh, that's great. And then, then like you say, you get there and it's like, okay, how, how, how many days till the, the season actually starts? Um, so I, I think part of that's the, the salesmanship of, of baseball. And I will say that I, I feel like um, Sarasota, you know, I don't know who is to, to credit for it, but they've done a really effective job of, of marketing, um, you know, their, their relationship with the Orioles from, promotions at the games during the season to just, you know, the way that they kind of, you see the, um, I've seen the pictures, obviously I haven't been there, but the you know banners on the flagpoles and really turning it into kind of a Orioles South location. And that, I think part of it's also got to be, be good marketing. You know, they, they saw an opportunity that's part of why they wanted the, the Orioles there. And um, so it's been, been marketed well also. All right. Let's talk about this spring training so far. Um, what's been your big storyline that you've been focusing on for this past few weeks? I think the I think the storyline that excites me most was the one that I saw tonight that Ryan Webb is allergic to ice. <laughs> Have you seen this yet? Yes, we talked about that earlier on our podcast. So, um, okay, <laughs> give us let, let us know your thoughts. I mean, what do you think about him being allergic to ice? <laughs> uh, I, I had to I had to read the article um, twice and and quite slowly the second time to make sure that I understood it correctly. Um, but uh, knowing that we'd probably be talking a little bit about spring training tonight, I thought, well, isn't that just it in a nutshell? You know, we're talking about allergies to ice. And I thought there's an opportunity there. You know, we bring back Marty Card- Cordova and you know, the old fire and ice used to be a, a popular thing to market. Just talking about marketing. So there you go. We'll get, get Marty Cordova and, and Ryan Webb together. We'll have a nice fire and ice promo, but uh, I shouldn't make, shouldn't make light of it for the, the guy, but that, yeah, that, reading that. And then, you know, next thing I'm reading is about you know, Caleb Joseph coming back to camp and he's talking about how his wife really in, in delivering the, the baby is, um, all about the oral way and just grinding it out. And I'm like, you know, we we really are in a in a time where any news is is news. Um, but it's kind of the that's kind of the fun of it too. I mean, I I do enjoy those stories. And you know, I watched the the game on Mass the other night, and I just got such a laugh out of watching all these interviews where you can kind of see a bit of a palm tree in the background and bushes and a fence. And it's just like this is this is enjoyable. You know, it's just kind of a a light endeavor. All these you know well paid athletes uh, out there, but they're just throwing on the headphones and giving interviews back there by the, by the bushes as if it's, you know, a, a little league game or something. So um, I usually look at it just for that, that kind of, um, that kind of fun with it. But um, obviously uh, the, the whole control issue with Ubaldo, I mean, that that's always going to be a story and particularly in camp this year. Um, I mean, every, every start, it's like, what are we going to get from this guy? So, I mean, that's a, that's a big storyline, obviously. Um I mean, comes to the, if the you watch him pitch, and I, I'm sure you watched him during the uh, on Sunday's game, um, what did you think about Jimenez? I mean, all this talk has been going about, uh, you know, changing mechanics. And I actually wrote an article over on BaltimoreSportsReport.com looking at his pitch sequencing. And uh, honestly, I didn't see very much of a difference, um, not just in terms of, you know, you know, earn runs and stuff like that, but just from the walk and the strikeout aspect, it looked very similar to a ball where he had flashes of high strikeout performances, but at the same time, command was severely lacking for both fastballs and slider, which I don't understand how you can have that much irregularity with your fastball command. 
Yeah, it's it's not encouraging. And I'll say I was I was nervous to bring up Ubaldo's name, knowing you know that you had written this post. Uh, I think it just came out today, and um, I, I admired the dedication to sit there and and, and pitch track and. Um, check out the sequences. So I, I did enjoy reading that. I, I did mention know, in my article that I was drinking heavily while watching it. So, you know, at least I was medicated <laughs> while doing so. I, I think you hesitated uh, to say Ubaldo Jimenez because if you say it three times in a mirror at night, uh, you lose control of everything in your life. Or a pothole appears. <laughs> I've never been brave enough to try. So that, that's what actually happened. Uh, now, now I know. Um, well, you know, one of the things that strikes me with, <clears throat> with Ubaldo and, and especially seeing his comments and uh, I guess spring strings a good time for it, but talking about the, the mental side of it, you know, he's out there thinking about the mechanics and it's like, anytime you hear a pitcher talking about thinking out on the mound, it's like, that's, that's not a good thing. But if, if there were time to be, you know, overthinking it and, and not just, um, you know, repeating your delivery naturally, <clears throat> it would be spring training, but it, it still, it still concerns me. We've just seen, you know, an encouraging inning, but, still those those big control problems and i want to believe like okay the guy's gonna you know get past that that mental side it's going to become more natural but yeah you, I, mean, I, I think any any orioles fan is going to be concerned um you want to see this guy turn a corner and it's just how long can you keep waiting for it before he finally does yeah matt you put a, make an excellent example in terms of this like mentality going into pitching and you know thinking through too many things and the one name that pops in my head that recently has success is jake arietta jake arietta had all the talent in the world but again, it almost looked like he went into the mound and at certain instances overthought and started to aim the pitching. And that's kind of what I thought Jimenez kind of did um, coming out into that first inning of the spring training years where he started aiming a lot. And uh, he definitely didn't have the command when he was aiming that. Um, in the second inning, it looked like he had calmed down a little bit, definitely had a better performance. And even in the third inning where he got hit, um, you know, I didn't really think it was that bad of a thing. But that first inning was disastrous. And it does raise the question of, is he overthinking his approach to the plate or is this just a situation of he's got no clue what's going on out there and it's just kind of hoping for the best. But I'd like to get away from Ovaldo Jimenez because that is a, a pothole that we could sink into. Um, I'd like to talk. We about, might totally lose control. We might of totally ourselves. lose control. Yes. I'd like to, I'd like to go to Matt Wieters <laughs> and uh, I want to talk about Matt Wieters and, you know, do you think that we can pick up anything about Matt Wieters recovery before he starts catching again on, on March 17th? Pick up anything beforehand? Yeah, yeah. like, like does, does anything he do, the, uh, is there anything that he can do between now and actually watching him catch uh, on March 17th that will give us any indication on how his, his recovery process is going? Uh, I'd say very little. You know, we're just trying to read the, the tea leaves there. Um, so, yeah, it's so tough to say until he gets out there. I mean, the main thing with with Weeders um, is just it's the health and you know what's he he's, he's taking what's taking swings was he over ten coming into today? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, you know, the, the comments I, I see from Buck and others, hey, we're, we're not worried about it. I mean, hopefully he can come back and, and give the kind of offensive um, production he had and was showing at the beginning of last year, which was you know seemed like wow, we're we're going to get more out of this guy and, and more of what we expected from, from the plate. But, um, you know, it, it starts with defense for him. So we wanted to, wanted to be healthy. want to see him behind the plate. Um, and I think that the battle will come around. I'm, I'm hoping it'll, it'll be more of what we saw at the beginning of um, last season, but I'm not putting too much into it yet until he has a chance to really um, have a, have a fair number of bats and, and even get back to more of a normal routine uh, catching behind the plate. So I, I'm not concerned 
yet, um, but but we'll see. I mean, <laughs> over ten isn't isn't the best start, but again, it's it's ten at bats. It's after a guy's been injured, so um, yeah, I, I think there's still plenty of time to to see where that comes uh, comes to. I think the most the thing that I've been most concerned about in spring training um, entering into it was the clock, and that's pace of play. Clocks have been situated throughout spring training facilities. They have uh, major league baseball games and uh, television uh, broadcasts have focused on them, uh, paying particular attention to you know breaks in between innings and stuff like that. Uh, talks of pitch clocks in the minor leagues and everything. Pace of play is it an evil ruination of our game or the most evil ruination of any game ever played? <laughs> um, you know, it's spring training, and I'm, and I'm already tired of the pace of, of play talk. I mean. Obviously, it's it's this um, issue that's been abused, you know, especially when you talk about those Red Sox Yankees games and all that goes into that. But you know, the the, the clocks, I I hate the clocks, and um, I yes, there there are, there are issues with um, with pace of play, but you know, there there are better ways I think to to handle it. And um, at the same time, I mean, I think it, it's it's also part of the uh, just part of the game and it'd be interesting to see, you know, if, if, if there ever a point where they'd be willing to really cut into um, commercial, you know, sponsorship uh, where, where the money is made there. Uh, it's like, if you're really serious about this issue, there, there are ways to, you know, ways to handle it. That, I, I uh, actually just got a uh, breaking news from major league baseball. They actually just responded to your uh, question. The answer is no. And uh, you can go on. <laughs> <laughs> They'd also like to take this opportunity to remind you that their corporate beer sponsor is Budweiser and uh, that you should buy it. <laughs> And the broadcast rights of Major League Baseball is protected by Major League Baseball. All distribution rights are prohibited. And you should buy more Budweiser. <laughs> I, I misunderstood. I thought they I thought they said it was a brainstorming session. There was no such thing as a bad idea. But it, as it usually goes in those type of things, I'm the one that figures out that there are bad ideas. Yes. So I'm glad I could discover it here as well. I'm so, going to just sit back and have a bud. So I'm glad that Matt Taylor has finally realized that pace of play is the most evil ruination of any, ever, any game ever played. So finally, he has come to the realization it's really hard to tell where you stand on this issue. I'd be interested to hear more of your thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the way that we phrased it, we we um, were vague enough, and I think it, we we let you get to your own conclusion. Um, it was kind of like a metaphor, really. It, it really seems unfair of yeah. us to to insert ourselves into the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so spring spring training is a is this way that we just kind of keep ourselves busy while while we get ready for the good stuff. Is there anything else about spring training? Um, that that maybe you you look forward to. One one thing I wanted to ask you about is is uh, your kids. It's a topic that occasionally comes up on the blog. Um, you know, I've got a four year old son who uh, was super excited about the return of baseball, and it was like every couple of weeks he would ask me, "Hey, Dad, are the Orioles on tonight? Are the Orioles on tonight?" And we'd be like, "No, it, it's snowing, not so much." So the first game that was going to be on TV, I was really excited about telling him. So I went, I like knelt, got right eye to eye. He was already in his Orioles shirt. He didn't know why. I said, you know, tonight something very exciting is going to happen. Tonight, there's an Orioles game on TV. And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. Magic, magic, <laughs> magic, magic. And suddenly, you know, Jake's childhood broke in half. Is, is uh, spring training, you know, the opportunity to, to gear up the whole uh, dad baseball thing again? Well, it, it, it will be. Um, so far, the the only example we've had of it is, you know, I had the game on and my son had already um, gone to bed for the night, but of course, you know, he comes out of the bed several times uh, 
for every excuse. But it, you know, I think the second time out, it was coming in and looking and saying, oh, it's the Orioles. And it, yeah, he knows already. I mean, he's only four, but he knows that's a soft spot. So it's like, I'm supposed to tell him to get back in bed. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, maybe just watch a little bit. But um, the, the thing I'm, I'm interested in this season and um, I, I discovered that even at a young age, um, my son already has a bit of an antagonistic streak to him. So when we were watching uh, the ALCS last year, I found him a number of times talking about the Royals and, and how he was cheering for the Royals. And I was like, you're just mispronouncing it's Orioles. And no, he was he was making it clear that he was cheering for the Royals. And I was like, you know, my kid's already antagonizing me here of cheering for the opponent until, of course, you know, the last out when, you know, I, I told him like, okay, buddy, the Orioles have lost. And that means we're not going to that world series parade that I promised you. And then it kind of hit him uh, a little bit differently. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of a, an awful way to have the last laugh. Like, I don't feel like I won here, but yeah, you know, I could take it a little bit. It was difficult. I could take it during the LCS, but I'm, uh, I'm wondering how to handle this strategically. If he realizes how much, you know, I despise the Yankees and Red Sox, if all of a sudden he's going to start cheering for them, in which case, you know, um, I think adoption is really the only uh, option from there. <laughs> Let's not go too severe. I mean, we've got a great situation here. We've got a uh, a youth in trouble, in you know need. I'm thinking intervention here, Matt. I need you to bring your son up to Baltimore, come to a baseball game with me and Jake, and um, we'll instill some uh, some healthy notions into him about how amazing Orioles baseball is. If not, we'll threaten his life. Yeah, I, I hate to do this to you, Scotty, but I'm not sure I agree. I, I think when it comes to something like what Matt's describing, the only uh, appropriate response from a parenting standpoint is psychological warfare. Okay. And I think, Matt, you are <laughs> you are um, you know indebted at this point to um, all of the examples of psychological warfare that I'm sure, like our upbringing, yours has provided you. You need to pull out all those dad tricks that I'm, I'm sure have been handed down to you and... Um, you know, if not, mold, we'll send you the book. Mold, mold this young mind into uh, into the Orioles fan that he he needs to be. I, I think there'll be a, a healthy amount of guilt. Guilt was a strong uh, strong motivator in my family, so uh, you know I'll have to pull that out um, with my son as as much as I can. And um, if if that doesn't work, though, I, I am up for the the intervention. I mean, I think that my wife would probably uh, agree with you that you know it might be a little extreme to suggest adoption just yet. Um, but then again, you know, send me off to Sarasota on my, my own and probably take the kids elsewhere. So that might also solve the problem. Well, you know, if not, you could always, you know, recommend an anniversary trip to, you know, uh, Baltimore to hang out with us. I'm sure that would go there over well. Go. There you go. Also. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you well, so much. I have a plan A and a plan B. So, yeah, it's like, okay, you didn't like the Sarasota. I got another one for you. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about spring training and and basically spring training was the excuse for us to chat with you. Um, we wholeheartedly encourage people to check out Roar from 34. I, we always say it. If you are an Orioles fan and you're not reading this blog, you're doing it wrong. Make sure you go to roarfrom34.com and also make sure you're following him at roarfrom34. Matt Taylor, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. I enjoyed it. And uh, let's all just uh, say some prayers for Ryan Webb, okay? We'll do. We'll put the ice out. <laughs> Have a good one. So you have any more in the back? 
Ubaldo Jimenez, the epic name behind an epic breakout year. Yeah, not so much. Um, as we start to look at the statistics for spring training, one has to be left with a eh, who cares kind of attitude. And past experience has taught us that spring training often leaves us with the Jake Foxes of the world with little value besides not getting injured. Um, I, I guess the question that I, I always come to in spring training is, does it really matter? I mean, is it does it really matter whatsoever? And uh, Jake, uh, what are your thoughts right out of the bat? I think that when it comes to spring training stats, it it doesn't matter when you're going to try to determine whether a player is going to be successful for the entire season. Rather, but rather the the stats do matter when you're trying to to compare two like players. So if you have two players that are like on the bubble that have the same level of experience that have the same level of health that kind of thing you're trying to decide who's the 25th guy on the uh on the squad well sure the stats might matter okay so you think there might be some value but generally in the sabermetric community spring training stats have basically been regarded as well absolutely useless pretty much donkey manure basically (laughs) that that was very well said said, yes but actually there's a really interesting um presentation done at the Sloan Sports Conference last week by Dan Rosenheck of The Economist, and he believes there may be some value. His data indicates that there may be some correlation between strikeouts per plate appearances for batters and walk to, uh, sorry, strike to walk out ratio, walk ratio for pitchers, especially for young pitchers with less than three years of Major League Baseball. And the reason behind that, Jake, is a lot of times when you're looking at players that don't have a lot of track record in Major League Baseball, oftentimes their projections are... Mm, either an underperformance or overperformance of them because, again, they're using you know historical data and it doesn't really reflect oftentimes their talent level. Can I ask a dumb question? Sure. And here's why I really struggle with stats for spring training. I, I understand where, where you're going with this, and I, and I get you, um, but the level of competition at spring training is not level. Uh, I just use level way too many times. Let me try to level that out. The quality of competition is not level in spring training. What I mean by that is you may have a lineup. Are you saying that people are not going to see Mark Hedrickson in the Major League Baseball? Yeah. I'm, I'm also saying that a young pitcher might be going up against, you know, three regular starters from a club and then six guys that aren't going to sniff double A. I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's a, a very valid point. And I think it's a very valid point that this, you know, study needs to be looked at a little bit further. Um, the study basically looked at it from the strikeouts per bat for batters and also uh, walks per or strikeouts per walk ratio. And, and they definitely saw a correlation be- behind the aspect of seeing what their spring training stats worked out to be and what their regular season stats came out to be with a correlation value right around 0.7, which actually is a pretty good correlation value. But the thing is, there's just so much data there and you've got so many players there that are um, you know, very, you know, consistent players that yes, there might be an Adam Jones, for example, that last year did absolutely horrible in spring training, but he's an outlier. Um, the question gets into of, you know, does the entire populace of the middle basically balance itself out? And I think to a certain regard for strikeouts and walks for both batters and pitchers, I think to a certain regard, it does balance itself out. But I think it's something to look at in terms of strikeouts and walks, as opposed to looking at ERA batting average, or even on-base percentage at this time regarding this this data. I think that's a really good piece of information to have in order to take a look at it. If you're going to look at any spring training data, it should be looking at walks and strikeouts. And I think you're probably on to something. You know, as we, as we determine so often with this podcast, you coming from the statistical standpoint and me not, we started this conversation. You asked me, what do I think about stats? I said, or spring training stats. I said, I think it can be useful in certain 
instances in spring training. And I, I think what you've just presented there is that there are numbers there that indicate that for certain um, for certain things in spring training, the numbers may be helpful to help us get a better look at, a, a better look at the full picture of a player. And uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's something that we we need to put more study into. Yeah, definitely more study into it. I'm not sure exactly how much weight you're going to give to it. The study basically said that for you know young players, you might uh, put 10 percent into the projections. So definitely not a large percentage, but something that you might might move the needle. Uh, I also mentioned, too, that walks and strikeouts were the thing that we were focusing on. Jake Foxix, for example, for his spring training season, that really wasn't a big deal for him, but home runs were. Home runs really should not be something that's given consideration to in terms of spring training statistics. I think if we pay attention to it for, for a bunch of seasons, I think that we'll learn how to use that tool and determine what it's good at at projecting mm-hmm. and what it's not good at projecting and keep us from getting excited about the Jake Foxes of the world and make us start paying attention to say the Zach Britons of the world. Right. And that's a great point. Zach Britton last year during spring training showed some great outings. He had 11 strikeouts with only four walks and 10.2 innings pitched. Another person I thought that was interesting is even though he's got some major league baseball experience is Brad Brock who came over from San Diego he pitched eight strikeouts with one walk in eight and a third innings pitched last spring training. However, Jake, and I'm always willing to throw out the however with these statistics, there are outliers. For example, Evan Meek, nine innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, zero walks. I, I got this. Hang on. How many at-bats did he face Derek Jeter in a very pivotal, uh, pivotal game as far as MLB was concerned for months and months afterwards? Okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But another person that I love, Jake, Josh Stinson. Nine innings pitched, 13 strikeouts, five walks. An individual that has a very good strikeout-to-walk ratio in a pretty decent selection for a reliever pitcher. But again, not a pitcher that would do very well overall. Go ahead. I think it's fascinating that, that you selected Zach Britton as somebody that, that this particular projection model can uh, can give us some information on because I keep saying that I think Zach Britton is really crucial to this team and that we really need to watch him in spring training to see which Zach Britton we're going to get last year, Zach Britton, who was, you know, all world closer or failed starter Zach Britton. So again, I hope we do get to the point where we can start to tell, you know, is this a good tool for us to figure out which way guys are going? Sure. And again, I think another person that we had to look at this year too, that has actually been performing pretty well in terms of a strikeout to walk ratio it's also in a reliever standpoint. It's Brian Mattis. Brian Mattis had a great start today. Two innings pitched. Um, he also went into the third inning. He did get knocked out at that point. But Brian Mattis had a great showing. Yes, he gave the only run, and he got attributed with a loss for it. But honestly— uh, The pitcher lost. Gotta love that stat. But who cares about the one home run? He pitched great out there, and Brian Mattis deserves a tip of the cap and saying, hey, keep up the good work. Yeah, you get let up one long ball. But overall, it was a pretty good encouraging sign for Brian Mattis going forward. Um, Jake, if we're going to go into statistics, though, and um, and and their completely useless ability, I think it's time we bring back one of our favorite segments. An old friend? An old friend. What do you think about we go ahead and uh, dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly? All right, Jake, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why don't you go ahead and start off? I go first always because your rants greatly exceed the quality of my own when it comes to the ugly. 
I'm going to start out with a good this week with Chris Davis. And uh, Chris Davis, we've seen good things from. We need to see good things from this season. Davis hit a home run in the first televised spring training game and left fans with a good impression of one of crush and not the shadow of Chris Davis that we saw last year. He also uh, drove in a couple of runs in another game. Clearly, Chris Davis is not back because of those two things, but you'd like to see that rather than not in spring training. So for this week, he gets my good. All right, my good for the week is going to go to Miguel Gonzalez. I saw that he showed great command, great pitch selection, showed up his ability to generate weak contact once again, which was a pivotal reason for why he's able to strand runners left on base. Miguel Gonzalez, further proving why he's probably going to be the fifth starter in this rotation. Oh, so now you're on board with the Miguel Gonzalez train, are you? Well, what can I say? Now, are you saying that because it's going to be Evaldo Jimenez not making the rotation or Kevin Gosman? Uh, if Kevin Gossman doesn't make this rotation, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know that that is the case. Okay. All right. We're going to go ahead to bad. My bad this week is catchers, not named LaVarnway. Okay. Catchers have done nothing this week, particularly offensive. LaVarnway is not lighting things up either. He's got two hits and five at bats. We'll call that small sample size. But nobody else from the catcher position is doing anything with the bat. And, uh, you know, with Caleb Joseph uh, having a baby, you have to put him on whoa, a milk whoa, carton. Whoa, whoa. Like Matt Taylor brought up, Caleb Joseph was talking about his new baby and his wife coming out the Oriole way. So if anyone's had a baby before, it's all about, you know, pitching and defense when it's about that delivery. So now it's time for the three-run homer. So it's time for Caleb Joseph to bring out the three-run homer. All right. I like that. Yeah. Matt Wieters is as Matt uh, – Taylor indicated is yeah. is in a bit of a slump and uh, nobody else has has done anything of of note. So in a short sample size, desperate for content, I say bad on you pitchers, bad. Um, all right, the next one I'm going to go with is Abaldo Jimenez. Absolutely poor command with all pitches. Uh, didn't really show any promise in both his first and second start. Like I said, I wrote an article on BaltimoreSportsReport.com detailing the pitch sequencing. Um, I recommend everyone to go over and take a look at that. Um, but Abaldo Jimenez. Certainly not anything that would strike me as being a starting pitcher within this rotation. Abaldo Jimenez, you are bad. I don't know what the heck we're going to do with you, but it certainly cannot be in this rotation at this time. I know what we're going to do with him. What's that? We're going to pay him $12.5 million. To do what? I'm getting there. Okay. All right, I'm going to go ahead to ugly. My ugly this week is going to be Bud Norris. And if we're going to beat up uh, Abaldo Jimenez for... Pitching terribly, we're going to have to beat up Bud Norris as well. Look, I have a lot of faith in Bud Norris, but not a good look from him. Uh, He pitched one inning. He gave up four earned runs. He was all over the place. I'm sure he'll tighten that up, but for one day, for four innings, or for one inning, rather, he was was ugly. He was very ugly. Um, My ugly for the week has to go to the new man on campus, Everth Cabrera. Zero hits and seven at-bats. He did have one hit today huzzah but his two walks during that stretch were neutralized with poor base running you know people are always talking about everett Carrera and saying oh we're going to have that speedster on the bases 40 stolen bases but again it doesn't matter if you're going to show poor base running speed does not mean a thing if you do not have the baseball instincts to apply it so everett Carrera, you are on notice i like it yeah i like it and i could not agree more Jake, I think it's time we go ahead and um, we blow the save. 
All right, let me let me blow the save with something a little bit different. And and for this, I need to speak directly to you, the listener. Um, we think the world of you, listeners. We really appreciate that you spend your week with us every week to, to listen to Birds of You. I cannot fathom why anybody would bother to listen to this program, but you do it, and we really appreciate it. Um, you may have noticed on our website, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, we're running a, a banner ad now, and there will probably be some uh, some ads in the podcast to follow. I wanted to have a quick chat about this. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and it's very evident to me when podcasters are trying to make a buck on their show and are uh, shilling themselves out with uh, the ads and the products and the the placement and the the links and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, it comes off feeling pretty icky. It just, it's awkward for everyone involved. And I know for me, in a lot of cases, it turns me off from listening to the podcast. I, I wanted to just take a second and say, that's not what's going on here. We're not here to make a buck off of you here at Bird's Eye View. This will be our fourth season coming up doing this show. And Scott and I love doing it. Again, we're flattered as all get out that any of you bother to stick around for more than one episode. The ads are here and designed to uh, help us keep the lights on and to allow Scott and I to do things that make this show the best it can be. I, I think the best thing we could probably do is hire Scott, a uh, co-host of Actual Merit, but... Thank God. In all seriousness, thanks for putting up with a little more junk in the uh, in the website, and uh, we promise that we'll be respectful of it and we'll uh, we'll keep it at a minimum. And hey, uh, pokers and blow for everybody, I guess. Nice, yeah, nice. With that, Scott, I. On that note, I have nothing else to say. So I'm sure we can come up with something, Jake. But um, it, it, anything else going on this week in terms of it? Are you going to be watching the Orioles on Masson this week? Uh, anything whatsoever? Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. I, I don't make a point of, of trying to get out to uh, spring training games. I, I, I tr- you know, I, I was really excited to watch the first one, but eh. Okay, so the cusp has been broken now, and you're just like, eh, I can wait around to opening day now. I'm already at the point where I'm sick of spring training. Okay, that's fair. Um, you know, I don't think we covered any... I think we covered everything we need to do, except Sukman Yon gone from the Baltimore Orioles. Thank goodness. Dan Ducat has a little extra money to pay for it. Hey, it's $4 million. Hey, Orioles, put that Wi-Fi in. That'd be nice. With that, Jake... One last thing I forgot. Please make sure you check out the Between Two Birds podcast, which you can find this week at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.